the Life Saving Gratitude Podcast, and I want to um, do a quick intro to today's podcast. Um, mostly, I want to thank everybody who shows up on a weekly basis. This podcast is for you. This I know who you are. I know you're sitting somewhere in your car or maybe in your office with your headphones on and you're listening, and I just want to tell you, I'm so grateful that you take time and show up every week to hear what we have to say. I'm inspired by what our guests tell us. I'm really inspired by the people who show up, who write us notes, who write reviews. Please um, feel free to share what we say with your friends. Today's podcast is a little different because I'm going to talk to you on my own, but I want you to know that this has been a big season of um, some challenges and some difficulties for me. And so I felt like it was important to visit with you one-on-one. My sweet dad, who just turned 90, is having health difficulties every single day. He's always, always on our mind. We spend a lot of time going back and forth to help take care of him. Um, My mom, who is about to be 87, is um, his primary caregiver. And I'm sorry, she's about to be 88. and so we spend a lot of time worrying about her. That's a, that's part of the difficult season of this life. Um, people I love are getting positive COVID diagnoses, and that's that's a hard one. You know, there's always that worry that someone you know is going to have a harder time or some longer lasting effects than usual. I also um, was recently diagnosed with AFib. And a heart arrhythmia, which surprised me. I, you know, I always, always think I'm the healthiest person in the room. So um, that's been tricky. I'll keep you posted. I'm getting some tests run, and you know, it's always hard to have the doctor say, "Well, um, this is very manageable," but you also could have a stroke. So, um, folks, life is short. It's really, really short, and. Um, I think it's important for us to talk to each other about the things that are bothering us. I, I tend to get on the podcast and talk about gratitude all the time. Well, I'm telling you, some days you feel less grateful than others. And then you have to stop and you have to say, thank you, thank you, thank you. And what you realize is that saying thank you, thank you, thank you doesn't change your situation. It changes you. And it helps me to do that so that I can say, you know, thank me. Thank you for my sweet daddy that has got to live 90 years old. Thank you for my sweet mom who takes care of him. Thank you for a doctor who knows how to treat what's going on. Thank you for the general health of the people I love. I want us to not waste one moment of our life doing things that don't bring us joy. And that's what today's podcast is about. It's about knowing where you want to be, knowing what's important, and focusing on those things rather than everything that's in the periphery of your life. So I just wanted to do a quick little intro and ask you to stick around for this very short podcast where I talk to you about knowing what it is that you love and what's important. Thank you so much for always showing up. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to the Life Saving Gratitude Podcast. I'm your host, Bunny Terry, 
And I'm not joined by anyone today because on occasion, I think it's really important for me to take time and talk to you personally, tell you the things that I've learned. I'm, I'm 61 years old and every single day I learn something new and I, I learn a lot from doing this podcast. We began this journey as a way to perhaps promote my book and promote this large circle of gratitude nerds that have gathered up around the world who are really devoted to the idea of using gratitude to overcome the best of times and, and the worst of times, to notice where we are in life and to pay attention in the most grateful way possible. So today I want to talk to you about a really surprising conversation that I had the other night with one of my oldest and best friends. We were um, at our lake house and my friend Glenna said to me, Bunny, you're doing all this stuff. You know, you're working on a second book and you're the board chair of the Cancer Foundation and you're doing a podcast and you're selling high-end real estate and you're, and she went, you know, she sort of went on and on and she said, tell me what you love the most, which, what is the thing that you love the most that you're doing? And I was quiet for a moment because I thought it's been a long time since I sat still and did an assessment of all the activities I've created in my life and which ones of them feed my soul and which ones don't. And I suspect that some of you are in the same boat. I've noticed that post-pandemic, and, and of course we're not post-pandemic, we're, we're um, learning how to live with the pandemic. And what I've noticed is that Everyone I know went from being locked down and quietly at home, um, perhaps working from home, but still at home, not interacting with the rest of the world in the same way socially and professionally that they had in the past. And, and we went from that to this slow easing back into society and then it contracted and then we went back out and then it contracted again. But what I've noticed since the first of this year, when that last Omicron wave went away about the middle of February, is that everyone I know is crazy, over the top, too busy. Uh, maybe they don't think they're too busy, but it feels to me like it's almost too busy, too um, overcommitted. Um, I got to do everything. Yeah, I've got to catch up. I've got to do all the things that I didn't get done while I was locked down. I've got to, you know, I, I know in my own mind, I'm thinking, wait, wait, I've got to get the second book done. I've got to do a podcast every week. I've got to sell these high-end houses that people call me and ask me to list. I've got to make sure the foundation is running perfectly. I've, and there's a lot of got to's and should in there. And when Glenna asked me that question the other night and she said, tell me what thing you're doing that you really, really love. I sort of took, I was taken aback because at that moment I couldn't say, Oh my God, the thing I love the most is this. And part of that is because I just haven't taken a moment 
to assess where I am. And more importantly, I haven't taken a moment to figure out where I want to go. I haven't been really diligent about studying my aiming point. I became um, a certified coach for U, the U squared program, the quantum leak program, which is um, a coaching program that was created by Price Pritchett, who wrote U squared and the quantum leap um, strategy. And I was certified as a coach. I studied with Price Pritchett on my own um, with four other people on February 28th, 2020. And we all know what happened on March 15th, 2020. So I got this certification and then we shut down. And if you're like me, a lot of things shut down. Um, my, my study of things that mattered to me shut down for a few weeks and my ambition to do a lot of things shut down. I did, luckily, during the pandemic, have time to finish and publish my book, um, Life-Saving Gratitude. However, I put away a lot of the materials that I gathered up at Price Pritchett's training. And we talked at that point a lot about creating a goal, which, which translates into your aiming point, knowing what it is, visualizing it, and then seeing it. And I haven't, I haven't taken a look at that in a long time. I haven't looked at my journal, at my quantum leap journal. I haven't, um, I, I just haven't paid attention. How about that? Let me, let me be completely honest. I haven't paid attention. And if you're feeling like me, it's hard to pay attention right now. So, so what we're going to talk about today, what I really want to talk about is, first of all, I want to read you a very short chapter from my book. And the reason I want to read it is because it is all about being aware of the most important thing that's in front of you. And that's what I haven't done particularly well in the last six months or so since we opened back up. So for those of you who are having a difficult time focusing, who feel like you're spread really thin, and who couldn't quickly answer the question, what is it that you're doing today that you love the most? That's what today's episode is all about. Stick with me. We're going to cover some great territory here, and I'm going to give you some action steps at the end that will be really helpful. For those of you who haven't read my book, Life-Saving Gratitude, this is a story about how gratitude and a whole lot of other things, great treatment, great doctors, a lot of support from my family and friends, a lot of love and prayers. This is a book about how those things helped me navigate a diagnosis of stage four colon cancer. When one of the people, one of the websites that I checked out said I had a 2% chance of survival. So here I am. I was diagnosed in November of 2012. Here I am 10 years later, um, living a dream life and accomplishing more than I ever, ever in a million years would have thought was possible. And so this chapter that I want to read to you is all about focus, about knowing how and when to do the next right thing. And it's just a tiny little vignette into how my life was going on those days. This book, this chapter was written um, on the evening 
of the day that I had my first visit with my oncologist. I had been diagnosed on a, a weekend, Saturday slash Sunday. And when the oncologist came into my hospital room, he said, I'm going to see you on Tuesday morning. That was on a Sunday. So I had an idea that things were dire, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even know what stage four cancer meant. I didn't know what staging meant. So I'm going to read to you chapter eight of my book, Life Saving Gratitude. The title of the chapter is The One Thing. It is Tuesday, the day of my first office visit to the oncologist. I don't know what to expect. I only know that he found a way to fit me into his schedule in just two days. On Sunday in the hospital, Dr. L vaguely outlined a series of steps that we might discuss, but today I'm worried that he'll suggest something drastic, like surgery next Thursday, or that I moved Phoenix to the Mayo Clinic. My family is rallying around. My niece called last night to make her sweet offer to fly me anywhere I want to go for treatment. My parents have called at least three or four times to check on me. I know that they're calling aunts and cousins and their pastors and their friends. This feels like a continual buzzing in my ear. The one thing I know right now, getting ready for my 11 o'clock a.m. oncology appointment, is that Johanna is on her way from Albuquerque to go with me to the, to the doctor. And my cousin Jennifer will join us there. She'll listen and take notes while I put my life in the seemingly kind man's hands. We've arranged to go by Christchurch on our way so that our pastor Martin can pray with us. I need to spend a minute or two with him. Martin's great gift to us is his calm assurance. He is not a pastor who raises his voice to make a point. In fact, he frequently lowers his voice when he most strongly wants to convey a message. You're sometimes forced to lean in to hear him. I dress, feeling better now that I have these pain meds and the Ambien that helps me sleep. There's still a relentless stitch in my side, but now that I'm resting, I don't feel like I'm going to pass out. And with four new pints of blood coursing through my veins, I have no craving for ice. None. After months of chewing chunks of ice like a maniac, my higher hemoglobin number has cured me of that crazy craving. I'm still relieved that I didn't develop the other craving that ER doc says sometimes accompanies low hemoglobin. That's eating dirt. This morning I wrote in my red notebook, grateful for the new blood, Ambien, Johanna Cumming, Dr. Visit, Jennifer. These feel like all the things that will get me through one more day. Johanna arrives and we try not to be testy with one another. She is as nervous as I am, which is considerable. At the church, we're greeted by the staff, including Jennifer, who will follow us to the cancer center, and Martin in his customary jeans and polo shirt. He looks more like a surf instructor than a pastor, which is reassuring. A traditional pastor would pray for me to be healed. I'm sure Martin will come up with something better than that. And he does. We gather in a circle, me in the middle with Johanna, and Scooter, the sweet old guy in charge of the prayer ministry, anoints my forehead with oil, something this Baptist girl has never had done to her. And then Martin prays. His words are simple. He doesn't start by thanking God for this opportunity to feel his good grace or by asking for a miracle of healing. What he says is, God, we come to you today asking that you put blinders on Bunny that you help her see only the hurdle that is directly in front of her. 
Help her not to look forward at whatever obstacles might or might not exist out there. Let her see only one thing at a time and let her know that she is required to do only the one thing that is right in front of her. He goes on to ask for grace for Johanna and for me, for my parents and my friends and for the rest of my family. One more time, he reminds God and me that the one thing I need most is peace and to find the calm in this particular storm. It's a simple prayer, but it is the best prayer anyone has ever prayed for me. It is possibly the best prayer I have ever heard, and my brain tilts toward that idea. The idea of only trying to tackle the one thing in front of me, the next thing that has to be done. I'm pretty sure I can do this. I have spent my life racing ahead, trying to juggle a thousand ideas and thoughts, as well as activities and obligation, when all I had to do was the next one thing. My next one thing today isn't conquering cancer or making my parents and my kids feel better. It is just to see the oncologist. That is all I have to do in the next hour. It is the only thing I have to think about. With blinders on, it is all I plan to do. Later this evening, I will write in the red notebook, grateful for the blinders prayer. One thing. So the reason I read chapter eight of my book to you, the one that I call the the one about the blinders prayer was not, not because I want you to run out and buy my book. Although, although that would be way cool. Um, You can find life-saving gratitude on Amazon or at my website, which is just bunnyterry.com. But the reason I read it is that if you're like me, you frequently let the noise of the rest of your life overshadow the things that you most care about. Um, I, I think of this in terms, I sort of see it in my head as all these um, voices, like almost like birds twittering around my head, kind of like, you know, when they were dressing Cinderella for the ball, there are all these birds circling. And one of them is me thinking about the Cancer Foundation for New Mexico board meeting tomorrow, which may be difficult because we're doing budget prep. Um, I think about the houses that I'm I've got on the market right this minute. I think about my dad who is 90 and more frail every single day and is going to go on hospice soon. And I think about, um, you know, I really, you know, wouldn't I rather be writing a chapter in my book than doing anything else in the world? And I think about my grandsons who are such a gift and to whom I give not nearly enough time. And I think about my husband and I think about my kids and I, anyway, all this stuff is always swirling around my head. And what I might want to reconsider is, is saying the blinders prayer to myself, which is, you know, just please let me put blinders on and only do the next thing is most important. It's um, it's sort of like a reading essentialism. What is essential? What is the most important? And and here's where the the real nuts and bolts piece of this comes into play. If you don't know what's most important to you, you won't do what's most important. So this is the moment where I'm inviting you to step back. Take a look at what your goals and dreams are right this minute. And if you don't have any, or if you think you don't have any, take some time, take a weekend, take an evening, 
go for a drive. I, I, I got to tell you, I do my best thinking when I'm on a long drive by myself. And sometimes, um, sometimes I'll just get in the car and, you know, drive to Espanola and come back because I'm out of ideas or I can't quite get my priorities straight. So if you don't know what your dreams are, take a moment to go back in time. Look at um, maybe if you have old notebooks, I have a, I have millions of old notebooks where I've written things. Go back and take a look at what you wrote five years ago or 10 years ago. Um, and if, and if you don't, if you're not the sort of person who writes those things down, just take some time to sit with yourself and say, what were my dreams? What was most important to me at some point? If you don't want to reflect don't think about the past. Simply start here and say in this year, ne next year at this time, what, where, where do I want to be? What sort of a letter would I write to my future self right now about where I want to be in a year, in two years, in five years? Have you been thinking about writing a book? Um, guess what? You can do that. Have you been thinking about buying a larger house for your family? These Have you been thinking about going on a hiking trek across the north of Spain? What what holds your heart? And and like my friend Glenna said, what is it that you do every day that you love the most? I want to talk for just a minute about establishing an aiming point because we're not taught you know, we're taught to think about goals. We're taught to consider, you know, wh where we might want to be when we're working on a college degree or when we when we're looking for a job. But I you want to look backward and you want to look forward. Here's a here's a note from my U squared training that um, says to start here. Look backward. Pull up the ghost of your hopes and dreams, the big desires you've been carrying around but have never realized. Listen to the urging of your highest ambitions. Connect with the quiet beliefs you have about what could be. Let your mind roam this inner world and you'll catch a glimpse of the possibilities that lie within your reach. If you're not doing this on a regular basis and if you don't know what your aiming point is, then you're going to end up where I felt like I was this morning, which is, I don't know. I don't know what the thing is that I do every day that I that I love the most. I mean, I know that we can all point to personal stuff. I love spending time with my husband. I love spending time with my kids and my grandkids. My you know, my grandson Milo is at home right now, not a little under the weather. And if I could go pick him up and spend the afternoon with him, I would. That stuff gives me joy. But we also give a lot of professional energy to things that may not be giving us joy. So I just want you to think about what it is that you love about where you put your energy. I had a client who said to me the other day, life is either drudgery or discovery. And I went, what, what, what are you saying? I, I never heard it put quite so eloquently. I want us all to find a way for our lives to stop being drudgery. So this is not a very long podcast today. 
I just wanted to remind us all that if we put blinders on and we do the things that are right in front of us, and if we work really hard at knowing what's going to bring us joy and love, then we can only, only find success and happiness and joy in our lives. I want to thank you for checking in for this quick little, um, I hope it's a piece of inspiration, but mostly I hope that you find that everything you do today, every single activity you do isn't drudgery, it's discovery, and it's going to bring you some joy. Thanks for checking in. That's all we've got today, friends. I want to thank you for joining the Life Saving Gratitude podcast with your host, Bunny Terry, that's me, and my producer and assistant, Johanna Medina. We feel like we're in the business of sharing the stories that save us, and we hope you'll share as well by letting your friends and family know about the podcast. Follow and like us wherever you listen, and please take the time to leave a review. Whether it's a stellar comment or a suggestion, we are open to suggestions all the time. Also, follow us on Instagram at Life Saving Gratitude Pod. You can also follow me personally at Bunny Terry Santa Fe. You can sign up at my website at bunnyterry.com to receive weekly emails about how to become the ultimate gratitude nerd. Thanks so much for checking in. 